Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Monday on which the Reds are top of the league. Let me repeat, the Reds are top of the league. We are 16 games into this Premier League season and Liverpool topped the pile with 37 points, 11 wins, 4 draws and 1 defeat. And we all know how that defeat came about. 36 goals scored, which is the second most in the division. 15 goals conceded, which is the best in the division. And 21 is our goal difference. And that's the best in the division. We are a very good gang of lads. We are a very good team. We have flaws, but so does everybody else. And, you know, we all know that we have issues that we need to address But so does everybody else. I mean, you look at the teams that we're competing with. Arsenal are second. They're a point behind us. They have to come to Anfield in two weeks. Should we win that, we'll be four points clear, assuming we beat United, which we should. But that's assuming they also win their in-between game, which they may not. They have flaws. They're soft. They're soft defensively. They've got major issues with their goalkeeper. Their defenders are not good when they get turned around and have to defend facing their own goal, as we saw on John McGinn's goal. They don't have proper balance in midfield. And their forwards just aren't scoring enough goals. With Villa, you'd say Villa are really solid back to front. But is there enough high-end individual quality to win them a title? I don't think there is. Manchester City have issues everywhere at the moment. Now, some of them will be solved by injury, by injuries coming back. But there's also a rumour going around that Erling Haaland has a fractured foot and could be out for two months. Now, we'll see what happens with that. He might be back for the next game. It is City, after all, and they wouldn't lie straight in a bed. But at the same time, if he is out for any significant period of time, that will hurt them. Like, I do think they're actually a better football team without him because I think the other players all fit together better. But they have altered their style so significantly to make up for the fact that they include him in their team. He doesn't 
really work as part of their team, but he is a freak of nature and he'll still score 11 billion goals a season. Tottenham? I mean, do they have a reliable goal scorer outside of Young Min's son? Do, do they have the depth? Definitely not, especially at centre-back. So they've got issues. United have issues everywhere. Newcastle have a lot of issues, one of which is the fact that Kieran Trippier has been absolutely atrocious the last two games. And we can be certain that if Trent, excuse me, if Trent ever turned in two performances as bad back-to-back as what Kieran Trippier has put forward against Everton and now Spurs, that Gary Neville would be doing an emergency two-hour special on Monday Night Football tonight. Brighton aren't title contenders, and they're too far back. They're 11 points behind, and nobody beyond that. I mean, they're, they're level with Newcastle on points, but Newcastle aren't going to win the league either. It really is, like, you could argue it's a five-horse race at the moment, but that is largely because there's no outstanding team. We're a very a good to very good team. Arsenal are a good team. Villa are a good team. City are a good team and Spurs are a good team. There's five good teams. And then there's loads and loads of crap. Like West Ham, for example, are sitting ninth. They got pummeled 5-0 by Fulham yesterday. The Ev, if they weren't a terrible gang of cheats, would currently be 10th in the league. They just consider that for a minute. Everton, if they hadn't had the points deduction, would be four points clear of the likes of Chelsea. The Premier League is very strange this season, as it has been ever since COVID, really. But we sit top. And that's a really good achievement for us, considering this is year one of our rebuild. Year one. We're not even close to being the finished product. We have two or three significant needs that need to be addressed. Defensive midfielder, left-sided defender, and I'd argue a left winger as well. It's not a it's not a need need. It's like it's not like we're desperate for that because we have options there. But with Diaz's fall off, Gakbo's not the best suited to playing wide because he's not the quickest. And Jota doesn't have the technical ability to play there. I do think that's a position we should be looking to upgrade on. But the rest, I mean, we've got the best goalkeeper in the world. We've got the best centre-back in the world. The guy next to him is, in my opinion, a top four centre-back in the league when he's on his game. We've got the best right-back in the world, who's currently playing as a hybrid midfielder slash right back and starting to really show what he's capable of. Zabozlai is a machine. McAllister's outstanding. Salah's the best in the world at what he does, playing from the right. And then we've got Darwin, who's admittedly still a bit hit and miss, but he does impact winning. He does impact winning. Now, the positions that we have needs in, again, we have options for left wing. You could also include Harvey Elliott, 
who I would like to see get an opportunity there. You could play Zabozlai there, though I think you'd need a very special defensive midfielder to get away with a midfield box of Trent, Elliot, McAllister and defensive midfielder. You'd need an absolute monster in there. At least with Zabozlai, he is a physical monster. Um, but either him or Elliot could play left wing. Harvey might just be interesting just to see what he's capable of. Just, you know, create a bit of space and whip crosses in. Keep it simple. Drop into midfield when we need you to. But hold that width. We can get by in midfield for the moment as long as it's Curtis Jones who's playing, not Gravenberg, not Endo. Curtis Jones needs to be returned to our starting 11. And then the left-sided defender, Costas, to his credit, has been pretty good in recent weeks. We've got Andy Robertson coming back. You would hope, you would really hope that the shoulder injury that he's suffered has led to him getting the opportunity to kind of recover and rejuvenate because he'd been running to the ground for months and for, for not months, for years, for years and years, Andy Robertson had been overplayed for club and country. And maybe he comes back reinvigorated. And we know how good Andy Robertson is. Like nobody is sitting here saying Andy Robertson is not still a good player, but he's not the player he was. And he's ill suited to this shape as is Costas, but we're making it work. And if we could add that six that we need, we'd be in great shape. Now, there's obviously some people saying we need a centre-back as well after the injury to Joel Matip. I would agree. However, I thought Gerald Kwanzaa was really good at the weekend. I know he made the mistake on the penalty, but at the same time, that was the only mistake he made. He was taken off because we were going to go and commit more men going forward. And Jürgen wanted Ibu's recovery pace in there. That's why he was taken off. It had nothing to do with his performance. He played, I thought, very well. Virgil was imperious. Ali was incredible, made two brilliant saves. The first one from Lerma is is just ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. And Ali is very much in the group with Virgil and Mo, where opposition fans desperately try to compare whoever it is that they have in those positions to our lads. Like, <clears throat> you'll all remember the baby Allison nonsense around Aaron Ramsdale last season. This season, Vicario is getting similar comparisons. I see United fans talk about maybe they need to go buy another goalkeeper. And Diogo Costa of Porto is the one they bring up. And they compare him to Allison. City fans are forever trying to compare their goalkeeper to Allison. The bottom line of it is, none of them are anywhere close to his level. And the greatest compliment you can ever pay them is to compare them to our players. Like the Saliba Virgil nonsense. Saliba on the best day of his career is no better than Virgil was last season. Forget this season, last season. When Virgil was called out by a number of people for having a terrible season, but he didn't have a terrible season. He was just well below his own level. Compared to the other centre-backs in the league, he was probably still top five or six in the league. 
he was every bit as good as the likes of Saliba and Martinez, who people went through boxes of tissue and tubes of lube over. So, you know, there's that. The Saka to Salah comparisons, the Kulisevsky to Salah comparisons, the Cole Palmer to Salah comparisons. Our lads are on such an incredible level that the only thing they can be compared to is their past selves. If you're making an all-time Premier League eleven, Alison Becker, Virgil van Dijk and Mo Salah are in that eleven, And it's non-negotiable. They're in that team. There's just no way to look at anybody else in their positions. Trent has a strong, strong case. He's certainly the best right back to have played in the Premier League. It's just... Do you know what? There's no argument against it. Trent is the best right back the Premier League has seen. Let's be fair. He is. Who else are you going to put up there? Gary Neville, good, not great. Zabaleta, good, not great. Ivanovic, very good, not quite great. Kyle Walker, good, not great. Who else would you even put in that conversation? Trent is great. And you'd fill that back line out with McGrath and Irwin and you'd put Keane in midfield and you'd put Gerrard in midfield. And your third midfielder then would be a question mark. You've got to put Henri up front. I feel like you've got to put Shearer up front. So you're going <coughs> Salah, Shearer, Henri. And then the only really debatable position is that final one in midfield. And the modern fan will probably point to Kevin De Bruyne, which is fair. It's absolutely fair. But I think the one he'd have to be compared with is Gerrard. And yes, he's obviously won he's won more titles than Stevie. But he's not a better player than Stevie was. As great as he is, KDB's not he's not Gerrard. So I would say you go Gerrard, Keane, Vieira as your three. I just don't think there's anybody that touches that midfield. I mean, Paul Scholes, an incredible player. He's unfortunate not to be, not that I wouldn't pick him, but who do you put, who do you take out? You can't take out Keane, the best defensive midfielder the league has seen. Vieira is the best box-to-box midfielder the league has seen. And Gerard's the best attacking midfielder the league has seen. And I know that if any non-Liverpool fan hears this, they'll say, oh, it's a Liverpool bias. But it's not, because if it was, I'd be putting Suarez in. Because he's the best nine the Premier League has seen. He just didn't do it for long enough. Luis Suarez had the best season anyone's ever had in the Premier League in 13-14. And he was otherworldly good from January 2013 to May 2014, which is 18 months, where he played at a level that no one else has reached in this league including Henri, including Salah. But he didn't do it for long enough. So Shearer would get in over him. But I don't think Salah, Shearer, Henri is in any way controversial or debatable, personally. I think Salah has taken Cristiano's spot because he's got a much better Premier League resume than Cristiano. I'm not saying he's better than Cristiano overall, but he's, he's better than him in the Premier League. 
the centre back spot you could you could debate next to Virgil. Tony Adams certainly warrants conversation. Saul Campbell would warrant conversation. Yap Stam would warrant conversation that wasn't in the league really for long enough, I don't think. Ricardo Carvalho would warrant conversation. That's kind of it. Left back, you could certainly make a case for Ashley Cole. But I think Dennis Irwin, what he did in the 90s was superior to what Cole did. If you want to go Ashley Cole, fair enough, but I will always go with Dennis Irwin. Like, that's the level that these lads that we're we're talking about in this team right now have gotten to where four of them, four of them are the best the Premier League has seen in their position. And if it wasn't for industrial level cheating in Manchester, they'd all have three Premier League titles, maybe more, maybe more. And then nobody would have anything to hold over them. But if they win it this year, especially this year, considering that we're in year one of a rebuild, I think all arguments have to be put to bed. There's plenty of stuff on thisisanfieldandliverpool.com to check out. On anfieldindex.com, there is a piece about poverty poverty chanting and the culture around it and how horrible it was to hear Newcastle fans at Goodison Park on Thursday night making poverty chants, embarrassing themselves. It was great to see a number of Newcastle fans calling them out and then disappointing to see those who were clearly part of the chanting try and play it off as banter. Banter is meant to be funny. Like, it's meant to be funny. There's nothing funny about chanting about poverty. Human tragedy is never funny. So shut the fuck up. Um, Jürgen has broken Alex Ferguson's record for the most goals in the 90th minute or later, which is remarkable. Jose Enrique says that he's never seen anyone as good as Luis Suarez. Uh, Frankly, I don't know that I've seen many better. Certainly nobody better at Liverpool. But I I think he's the third best number nine of all time. I think it's Ornine, Van Basten, and then him. I think he tops everybody else. And we should just be thankful that we were part of his career. Uh, Michael Owen has said Bruno Fernandes didn't fancy a trip to Anfield. He's probably right. Bruno got himself booked seemingly on purpose at the end of United's 3-0 whooping at the hands of Bournemouth. Uh, You'll remember last season, we beat them 7-0. There's nothing more to that. I just wanted to say it. But you'll also remember that in that game, Bruno basically quit playing. He just stopped playing. He went and he stood near the touchline and didn't do anything. Just kind of stood around pointing and moaning for five minutes. So, yeah, he clearly didn't fancy it. Uh, my best friend, Fabrizio Romano, who, you know, some might disparage as a spoofer. I myself would never say such a thing about my best friend. He has said that we're discussing a deal with Joe Polina's representatives. Now, because he's the number one social media influencer in the football space, agents do tend to leak stuff to him. 
And one of the agents who has leaked stuff to him routinely has been George Mendes. It's the reason that anytime anything ever happens with Wolves, Romano has it like two days before anybody else. And George Mendes, while he doesn't represent Joe Polinia directly, he does kind of control where he goes. He was the one working the deal to take him to Bayern. He was the one that brought him to England. Because a lot of these smaller agents, and George Mendes, or Joe Polinia is represented by, I believe, his brother, who doesn't represent anyone else and therefore isn't going to have any real type of sway. Mendez goes to people like this and kind of helps them, helps them along for a, a little, you know, a little percentage. And Mendez is going to be involved in wherever Joe Polina goes next. So Romano may well have gotten it from him directly or from his people directly. So there might be something in the notion of Joe Polina coming to Anfield in January. Now, rumours, rumours suggest that when he signed his new deal to stay at Fulham in the summer, he did so with a buyout clause lower than what Bayern were offering in the summer, which I believe was about $65 million. Now, this, Romano has said he thinks it's about 65 million euro, which is about 56 million pounds. You look at the numbers, like defensively, he's just an absolute monster. He is an absolute monster. He's decent on the ball, got a great assist at the weekend, scores some really good goals. He's fine in terms of passing. You're not asking him to do anything other than win the ball back and give it to the lads that can play. And as long as he can win the ball back for us and give it to Trent, give it to Alexis, give it to Dominic, give it to Mo, as long as he can do that, that's all we need from him on the ball. We don't need anything else. There's some people that are weirdly obsessed with, you know, the first phase buildup. You've got to have Rodri and bullshit. Bullshit. You don't need to have anything of the sort. All you need is a fellow who can get the ball and give it to them who can play. You don't need a whole team of piano players. You need someone that can carry a piano. And this fella, he'll hock one up on both shoulders. And then he'll go about destroying your world. I think Joe Polinia would be a really good addition. He wouldn't be top of my list, but he'd be in the top three or four. Bubakar Kamara for me is the one, but he's not going to be available in January. So for him, I think you're probably looking at maybe having to do like a loan for Calvin Phillips and then go and get Kamara in the summer. But we know how Jürgen is. If Calvin Phillips comes in and plays a vital part in us winning the league, Jürgen will want to sign him permanently. Or even if he doesn't, we don't win the league, he just plays well. Jürgen will want to sign him permanently. But if we can get Joe Polina in January, I think we should do it. I do. I know he turns 29 in in the summer. I know that. But look at his minutes played. Look at his injury history. And look at how he plays. And I don't think 
he's at any risk of falling off a cliff anytime soon. If we can get even two good years out of him and then flog him to Saudi, that's good business for us. If we get two good years out of him and sell him for 40 million, if he helps us, well, it'd be two and a half years, wouldn't it? If he helps us win a league title or, you know, fingers crossed, multiple league titles, then it's absolutely justified. Absolutely justified. And you'd be selling a 31-year-old, which the Saudis are more than happy to spend big money on. I'm very much in favour because he he would just improve us enormously from a defensive point of view. And we've looked a little bit ropey on defensive set pieces in the last couple of games, and he would also help with that. I'd be very much in favour. Um, Podcast-wise, there's a few that are out of date at this point. Rivalry, Con and Scouted before Palace. But give them a listen anyway if you haven't heard them. There's also the, the pre-match press conference that Dave Davis did. Uh, so give that a listen as well. Uh, there's a new Moby on the spot that's there since Thursday or Friday. A, a, bit, pr- a, a bit prickly, um, which is excellent. It is Trev and Jan. It's outstanding. Uh, there is a monstrous raw uh, with uh, Trev, myself, and Jim Boardman. Um, it's 100 minutes, which I'm not really sure how we did 100 minutes from that game, but we did. Um, yeah, so there you go. That's all I have for today, folks. Uh, not here tomorrow, but we'll be back on Wednesday. If anything big comes up tomorrow, Guy will jump on and put a quick pod together. But I'm back Wednesday, and then we're rolling, folks. All going well. We're rolling, and I might even have had a proper night's sleep the night before. So we will see you on Wednesday. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.